Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. I want you to notice with me the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verses 3 through 9. And the Bible reads as follows. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat was being uh, attacked by Moab and a large multitude of different individuals. And when he found out about it, in fact, the Bible called him a great multitude was coming against him. The Bible says that he feared, but notice after he feared, he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. So you notice that uh, even though Jehoshaphat feared, he wasn't too afraid to come and ask God for help. And uh, and that's truly a season we're in. We're learning how to ask God for help. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Notice how they connected together as a group. And I and, and almost divinely connect together as a group in order to seek the Lord. Verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? So notice they came together and asked the Lord for help. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah. Of course, we talk about the assembly as another place for the church. The Bible says, for Satan out the assembly of ourselves together as a man of some is, but so much more as you see that day approaching. And in verse 6, when he assembled together, I don't know if you know what Jehoshaphat did. He began to magnify God, so to speak. He began to exalt our God. And say great things about him. Not only did he say great things about him, in verse 7 he says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? So not only talk about how God is exalted, he also talked about the great works that he had done uh, before that particular time. And then those same people that he talked about there in verse that he drove out the inhabitants of the land and allowed his people Israel to to uh, live in that land. And then in verse eight, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. And so these people been, that drove out that they built God a sanctuary and in that particular land that he drove the people out of. And so when they built the sanctuary, this is the very sanctuary that they're assembled in right now. And verse 9, 8, 9, and so forth. And they dwell in it. Excuse, excuse me, let me go back a second. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And in verse 8, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your namesake. And then this is Jehoshaphat's prayer. If disaster comes from, uh, if, if disaster comes upon us, whether it's a sword, a judgment, a pestilence, or a famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple, and your name represents this authority, and cry out to you in our affliction. They were going through it that particular time. But notice what Jehoshaphat said in that latter part. You will hear and save. One translation says you will hear and help. So he will hear and save. And I, based on what I just read to you, verses 3 through 9, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. The Lord is willing to help. Say that with me. The Lord is willing to help. Isn't that good news, amen, that the Lord is willing to help you, praise God. No matter what you're dealing with right now, that the Lord is willing 
to help you. And I want to show that to you throughout this text. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that the word of God will have free course and that lives will be changed by your word. Father, you are willing to help us. Notice, we noticed that Jehoshaphat went to the temple or to the sanctuary and he found help just like David did in Psalms 20 and verse 2. He found help in the sanctuary. Jehoshaphat found help in the sanctuary. In fact, we can find help in the sanctuary. And Father, we thank God that you are willing to help us too when we come to you for our help. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. Jehoshaphat was informed that a great multitude had planned an attack against him. They were going to take an aggressive action, aggressive action, I should say, with weapons or armed forces against him. We see that over, in fact, if you go back up in Second Chronicles 20 and verse 2, it reads as follows. It happened. Verse 1, I should say. And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat. They told him what was going on, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and Syria. And they are in Hazan, Tamar, which is in Gada. So there was a great multitude coming against Jehoshaphat. There was a bunch of them. In fact, the Bible said he calls, in fact, a great multitude had came, were coming against them. And I truly believe it was a great multitude because Jehoshaphat got into the point where he was distressed about the situation. Let me say this. It's easy to become distressed or worried when you know you're a target of an aggressive action. That's why we have to be mindful that the enemy is constantly planning attacks against us. That's why I love the fact that we can't necessarily see the enemy all the time, but God can see the enemy all the time. And that's a good thing to know because there's no attack that God will not prepare you for. Because God loves us just that much. But Jehoshaphat was probably like many of us, uh, when he was the, the subject of a target attack, he feared. He was afraid, he was distressed, and he was terrified. Uh, and I ain't mad with Jehoshaphat because that great multitude to come against me, I'm sure my natural indication was to be a little bit uh, scared, a little bit. I might have been fearful. I might have been distressed. I might have been terrified. I might have been afraid because it wasn't just like it was one or two people coming against him. The Bible calls it a multitude of folks that were coming against him. So he was, he feared what was about to happen at that particular time. But fear, we all know, is not of God. That's why in my opinion is essential that we understand that fear is not from God. And it, but fear causes torment in first John chapter four, verse 18. Let's back, let's go to first John four and 18 real briefly. We'll come back to that scripture because we'll spend most of our time in second Chronicles chapter 20. But first John chapter four, verse 18 reads as follows. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves punishment. Fear involves penalty. Fear involves torment. He involves torment. But God does not want us to operate in fear. But every now and then, you may become a little fearful, but always learn to go to God when you get a little fearful. Don't be afraid to go to God at times. We say, "Uh uh-oh, I shouldn't be afraid, but yet. I'm dealing with this fear right now. I got some stuff happening in my life, but I'm a little afraid right now because the enemy is attacking me and I am a little bit fearful. I'll be honest with you. If you live long enough, you'll get a little fearful. Don't be upset because you get a little fearful. Sometimes I ride down the road and and something may happen. Maybe I'll I'll get a little groggy or something. I see somebody else getting groggy. I think they're going to hit me. Fear going to try to jump on me. And so I have to mind myself that I cannot stay in that fear. I just got to deal with it when it happens in my life. Sometimes, you know, you have to go and check things out around your house if, and, and see what's going on, whether you are the male or female. It doesn't really matter these days. You got to check things, hear noises in the house. And you can't let fear overtake you when you hear those noises around you. And so sometimes you hear things will come against you because you are a child of God. So you can't be fearful when God, excuse me, you know God is on your side. 
Now, let's look at Jehoshaphat in verse in Second Chronicles 20 and verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared, but notice what Jehoshaphat did. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Jehoshaphat has this great multitude coming against him, and now he gets fearful. But notice what he did. He He's a great example of us that he sought the Lord and he fasted. He sought the Lord and he fasted. He inquired of the Lord. He sought, he seeked the Lord. He resorted to the Lord. And not only did he seek the Lord, but he fasted as well. Fast means to abstain from food, to give up food or drink or something else and replace it with spending time with God. See, don't fast if you're not going to spend any time with God. You might as well just go ahead and just eat if you're not going to spend any time with God. Go ahead, if you're going to fast and and not eat or abstain from something, whether it's television, whether it's a, a favorite activity or whatever the case may be, spend time with God during your fast. Spend time with God during your fast. So seek God, but spend time. Don't begin hungry, but don't spend any time with the one you're fasting with. That, you know, I would say it don't make sense, but that just, in my spiritual mind, that just don't make sense to me. I mean, if you're going to, listen, if I ain't going to eat, I better, I better talk to God about something. I mean, God, hey, what's going on? Let me talk. Let's, let's have something going on. Cause about, cause you know, if I skip a meal, it, that's got to be real enough right there. Cause even when I'm have call myself skipping a meal, I'm snacking in between. So I know. Hallelujah to God. Woo! So I know that fasting, I need to spend time with God when I'm abstaining, excuse me, abstaining from whether it's a meal or something else. Remember, fasting is not just food you abstain from, but whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to abstain from, abstain from that. Some people fast from social media, uh, because they feel like social media is becoming, uh, more, excuse me, it's taking more of the time than what it needs to. But when you stay off social media, make sure you spend time with God. Remember, don't fast and don't spend time with God. Read the scripture, study, pray, do whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Fasting is wonderful, but don't just be hungry. Don't just stay from something and don't spend time with the creator of heaven and earth. So that's so important that we do that. Now, at times in life, we are in the midst of an attack. We're going to need help. From a source that's greater than us. And that's what I believe truly help is. I believe Jehoshaphat realized that God is greater, not only hit than his army, than the multitude that was coming against them. And we must also realize that when the enemy comes against us, we need to go to a source that's greater than us. We need to go to the individual, the God that is greater than us. We need to go, well, listen, when sickness tries to attack our body, we got to go to the sick, the God that's over sickness. When finances are a little funny, we got to go to the God that's going to be a provider that's going to give us more than enough. Are y'all seeing that in the text here? We got to go to God that is greater than, let me tell you something, when you need an answer, you need a supernatural solution, you need to go to the God that knows everything. I mean, he knows everything. I mean, there's not one subject matter God doesn't know. God knows science. God knows your personal issues. God knows people. God knows every issue it is. It, God even knows about your computer. I mean, God knows your computer better than, than the people who, IBM, Microsoft, and everybody else. God knows your situation, whatever it is, better than we all do. Now, let's go back over to uh the text. So, Judah gathered together, verse 4, 2 Chronicles 24. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And I love that, the fact that they went and they got together and they, this is what they pray. Lord, we need your help. I'm not sure exactly what all they said, but they went to ask help from the Lord. Jehoshaphat and Judah gathered together to ask the Lord for help. They needed to make things better. It was, listen. Even before it got worse, because it's going to get worse, the multitude was going to attack the Jehoshaphat and his army. But they asked the Lord for help to make things better, offer aid, to offer assistance. And Judah gathered together and connected as one. And so did all the inhabitants of the city of Judah in their request in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 4. And even though... And I want you to know something about help. And I, I thought about this when I was 
putting this together. Even though God will help us, many times he will use people as well as others to help us. But never get caught up in the people, get caught up in God. Because God may send that one person to help you that one time, and the next time he may send somebody totally different. But always remember, your help comes from God. Never get caught up in people, never get caught up in other things, because you sooner or later, people will disappoint you. People will frustrate you. People will make you mad. People will make you want to. Okay, maybe this may you praise the Lord. But people, I mean, people just people, though. And I find myself, when I get mad with folks, I got to examine myself. Am I asking too much of this particular person? And I say, God, that can't be true. Because, you know, if I start asking folks to do certain things, they don't do it. And I, I start feeling some type of way. Because, you know, what happens when you see them, you start feeling some type of way. Especially when you expected something from them that they didn't give you. So you got to watch yourself that you don't start feeling some type of way toward people. And so my help comes from God, but I need to realize that God will always use people to give me help. He will always use people. No matter what you do in life, you always have to work with people. Whatever you do in life, unless you're one of the people that uh, are living. I was watching the show uh about the folks that live in Alaska, and they were by themselves. But sooner or later, they had to go 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 to town to get some stuff. <laughs> Are y'all following me? <laughs> they can do everything by themselves. Uh, so that just that's something to think about. But anyway, for most of us, we're gonna need people. We're gonna need people. If you go work, you're gonna need people. I need people to make sure this air conditioning comes into this building right here. Thank God for those people that make it work like that. I thank God that the people who fix my car. I thank God for the people who fix stuff around me. I thank God if I don't want to cook this evening, I can go to somebody people at, through the drive-thru or sit in a restaurant and eat their food. Are you following me? We need people. There's food right now sitting in grocery stores that people bought to the store that we can gather right now. People are important to what we do in life. But I never, listen, learn, I'm learning to learn not to get caught up in the people though. Because, listen, even though people bring me food, I still pray over my food. It could be something as simple as some french fries from McDonald's. I'm still going to pray over them french fries. I don't, listen, do you trust? No, I, try, I thank God for the food. That's all. I thank God. I don't get tra- caught up in that. Because, you know, you can get some french fries and they ain't going to be no good. And then I get mad. But that's the. <laughs> Woo. But the long story short, we need people. We need people. And God uses people to help us. There's no such thing. As, listen, I ain't gonna say no such thing. But most of the things we do in life, we need people. You go, you work on a job, you work with people. If you got a business, you want people to come and solicit your business. And whatever it is, we need people. And the thing is, you need the right help. You need God to be the orchestrator of your help. Thank you. I like that right now. You need God to be the orchestrator of your help. You don't need to do it on your own. Because if not, you can't figure out how people work. Just be led by the Holy Spirit and God will show you how to work with people. Not only that, sometimes you're going to be the help to help somebody else. And that is a wonderful thing. We are there to help us one to another. We're going to help people. We help us. We help us. I love the fact that God uses people. And one thing about it, I had to, I got to admit it. One thing I had to learn. Sometimes people say, make this statement. I don't need nobody but God. Well, I, I've been lying if I say something like that now. I've learned over the years, I need God and whoever God sends my way. And I realize most of the time, God is not going to come down here and do a lot of stuff that people do around here. He's going to use people to get the job done. But I got to keep people in their right perspective. I got to let God be the orchestrator of the people. Everybody see this? Always understand that God is going to be the orchestrator of the people. It's not going to be Dobbs. It's going to be God that's going to do it. Because if God don't do it, it's not going to be the right way. And I know, listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this right here. I've also tried to orchestrate and do things with people without God's help. And that's going to be a problem too right now. I try to do it on my own or whatever the case may be. But thank God for people and we appreciate God sending us help. And But most of the time, God's going to send folks to help us. Even though help, help comes from the Lord, in most cases, God will use a man directly or indirectly to help us. 
He's going to deploy a man directly and indirectly to help us. You know, right now that sometimes we go ready to get, do stuff, God will put on somebody hard to help us. And I'm so grateful for that. So you can go into a store and be like, God, set that thing up before you got there. God, set that person up to help you. You go in some place and somebody will start talking to you. And, and you'll be sitting in, in a waiting room and God will just set it up so you meet certain people. You're like, okay, that had to be God right there. Because God was trying to get me some help. Sometimes I have conversation with people and all of a sudden they'll drop something in my life or drop some knowledge in my life. And I was like, oh God, that was what I need to know right there. God was setting me up with what? People. We need people. But God has to be the orchestrator of it. We don't need to be because I'm telling you right now, we're messing up, man. We're trying to figure stuff out, trying to uh, schedule and try to manipulate and try to do whatever we do. And it won't work out as good as God will if we let him be the person who orchestrates it. Thank God for the people help. Glory be to God. Let's go to St. Chronicles 25. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in, notice where he was at, in the house of the Lord. He was in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, now, notice where he was at. When Jehoshaphat went and he made his request, he was in the house of the Lord. When he was asking for assistance, he was in the dwelling place of God. He was in the place where aboded light. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light. He, they were in the house of the Lord asking for help. I like that. I like the fact that they were in, in fact, the Bible talks a little bit later. It calls it, you said with terminology, but uses the word temple, uses the word sanctuary. But they were in the house of the Lord. The, the dwelling place of God asking for help. And this is what you see David found out too. Let's go, let's go to Psalms 20 and verse 2. I know we've been talking about this scripture for a minute now, but it's just a good one for us to refer back to. In Psalms 20 and verse 2. When David was in distress, this is what he did. He did this here in Psalms 20 and verse 2. May he sing you help from what? The sanctuary. And strengthen you out of Zion. May he send you help from where? The sanctuary. And so when God was sending David help, he said, David requested you send him help from the sanctuary. And so when David stated that, it takes a mature and a courageous person to recognize that they need help. It takes a courageous, a brave person, person not deterred by danger to recognize that they need help. And we need a high level maturity to fast and to seek Jesus for support during attack. Just like Jehoshaphat did, he sought the Lord, he fasted, and he prayed, and we need to be of light matter. In fact, one of the things I thought about this, we need to be seeking God beforehand. Even before danger comes, so it's just, it's just a habit for us. I thought about this. I don't want to seek God, and the only time he see me is when danger comes. Because you know what? He's going to make sure danger stay on my head to him. Because why? The only time I come to him is when danger comes. And so what, if I want to get your attention, all I want to do is make sure you stay in danger all the time. Because you don't come see me every time danger comes. I want to be in a situation where God just see me whether it's danger or no danger. So whether it's good or not good, God just have a habit of seeing me. Listen, wouldn't you hate to, uh, oh, you ain't live long enough to sometimes, only time people call you is when they need something. Mm -hmm. Boy, you ain't live long enough. Every time they call you, they ask you for money. Every time, you know, they don't want nothing, but every time the phone rings, you know, you wait for them to get to the point, punchline. Uh-huh. Yeah, hey, how you doing? What you been up to? I heard from you last time you borrowed some money from him. So I know. I'm waiting for the punchline. You know, five, ten minutes later, uh, hey, you got a little, a little something you can let me have because, you know, I'm going through a little rough time. The last two times I talked to you going through a rough time. When can you call me and not be going through a rough time? That's the only thing I'm saying. We don't need to be like that. We need to be in a situation where we God hears from us, whether it's good or, or, or challenging. It don't matter what it is. We just, God is here from us. 
God just got us. He said, oh, I, I hear from Dobbs every day. That needs to be my testimony. Every day, it's, it's, what's going on, God? Everything going wonderful, God. I just want to say hey to you. I mean, God, we, you need to be like that. We don't need to be. The only time we hear from God is, the only time that you hear from God, hear from you is, is when you're going through a rough time. Because if, if I was God, I'd make sure you go through a rough time all the time to make sure we stay in constant communication together. I don't want to be like that. I want God to make sure that, listen, things going well. I hear from, hear from Dobbs. Things no, going not well. I hear from God. I just tell him what's going on, but I want to make sure he hears from me. And we need to be that same light manner. We need to be in a situation where we're mature to the point that we seek God before, during, and after every attack. Listen, things going good. God, here I am, Lord. I'm giving you glory. I'm magnifying you and lifting your name up. Listen, I'm giving you glory, God, even though we're getting ready to go. There's a rough, there's a multitude coming after me right now. We need to be that type of individual. Now, that's why I like Second Chronicles 26 because when Jehoshaphat was in the temple and he was entering, and I want you to notice what he did in, in verse 6, 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 6. Because remember now, he's unfasted, he's prayed, he got the children, the city of Judah with him. They have, they have connected. They're in the temple, in the house of God. They're asking for help. And I want you to notice how Jehoshaphat approached God in verse 6. And said, O Lord of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Ooh-wee. Notice how he pumped him up right there. Notice how he, he talks about how great his God was. Jehovah started by giving God the Lord admiration by proclaiming him to be the God in heaven. Oh, aren't you not the God in heaven, the dwelling place of God? Oh, you're not the ruler, the one who has dominion and reign over all the kingdoms of the nations, along with power, strength and produce and might, bravery and force in his hand. Oh, you're not that God. In other words, he's pumping them up right now. He's telling God how great he is. He's telling him, listen, are you not the God of heaven? The one who dwells in the place of God. Are you not the ruler over all the kingdoms of the nation? Aren't you the one who got dominion and reign? Not just one, but all the kingdoms of the nations. Are you not the one who has power? That means and might. You got strength. You you can produce some things. And might. You got bravery. You got force in your hand. Boy, he's talking great. He's talking God up now. Because sometimes my daughter, she learned that. I'm telling you, she learned that good, good God. Dad, dad, aren't you not the best daddy in the world? Woo-hoo-wee. Boy, she'll mess me up right there. It don't take much because she know how to do it too, boy. And she know, how, and she know what she's getting to me too because first I act like, like it don't bother me, right? Mm, I, you ain't gonna get me this time. No, look, I start putting my hand on my pocket and stuff like that because I know what she's going for. It ain't gonna take long. But she know how to work it though. She knew how to work it. She know how to work it, boy. And listen, when you know how to work your heavenly father like that, you don't start off asking him for stuff. Notice what Jehoshaphat did. He started talking about how great God was. He started talking about you're the one that rules heavens and heaven and earth. Aren't you not the one? Listen, there's no kingdom that's bigger than you, God. That, listen, nobody got more might, more power and might than you, God. Tell us about how great he is, how magnificent he is, how how much he rules and super rules, and how he does got the power and, and might in his hand. Boy, he talks about how great his God is. He talks about how great he is. And then, then he, before he finishes, then he talks about some of the great things he does. Let me before I go. In my opinion, as believers, we should strive to have a const, consistent habit. Of worshiping God daily. That's what we talked about earlier. And the way that we think, the way that we talk, and the way that we act. We got to have a consistent habit of worshiping God daily. We should not go a day go by. I don't care what you go through. Just tell God he's great just for a moment. Are y'all following me here? Tell God he's great. In fact, let's practice real quick. Repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, you are great. You are magnificent. You are holy. You are righteous. You are all powerful. 
And there's nobody like you in heaven or earth. See, you practice stuff like that. It don't take long to do that. You could be on your break and just say something real quickly. God, you are magnificent. You can be, listen, riding up the road. You ain't got to, listen, you ain't got to go every mile saying something. But just this this mile right here. God, I'm going to say something great about you right here. While I'm stopped at this traffic light, I'm talking about God, you a great God. Oh, look at that sky right there. Ooh, couldn't nobody make a sky like that, you God. Oh, do you see that big old tree right there? God, you've been, you made that tree from the beginning. This tree has seen so much. God, you a good God. God, you've been good to me all week long. I'm so grateful for you. It don't take much to magnify our King. It don't take much, but your first thing you got to do is just do it. Just do it. You ain't got, you don't need nobody. You don't need a, uh, some music to do it. You don't need, listen, the praise team to do it. You can do it. Amen. Listen, you should be able to do this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. It's just an extension of what you've been doing all week long. You know, some people have a hard time lifting hands to God because they ain't did it since last time they were in the sanctuary. But, those that ain't got a problem with it, because they've been doing it all week long. In their house, Lord, I thank you for my home. Woo, I think this air conditioning work, too. It's been 90 degrees every day for too many days, but I appreciate the fact this air conditioning working, God. Lord, I appreciate when I put, put gas in this vehicle right here. Oh, I'm going to fill this thing up. Thank you so much, Jesus. And, Lord, I'm ready to eat this food. I didn't cook none of this food right here, but, God, I'm ready to eat it right here. I didn't grow it. I didn't, listen, I didn't bake it. I didn't fry it. I didn't do nothing to it. All I'm doing is just partaking of this food. I am so grateful, God. See, God does stuff for us every day. He loads us daily with benefits. The God of our salvation. I, I'm amazed folks saying, God ain't did nothing for me, but yet they breathing right now. They walking right now. And they act like that's normal. Everybody ain't walking. Everybody ain't doing so. Some people are in hospitals right now. When, you go, when I go to the store sometimes, I see people got to carry on machines in order to breathe. And I'm just so grateful. I don't need a machine in order to breathe. I'm grateful for that. I see people, they need those chairs to get around the store, amen, just to buy their groceries. I'm grateful. I don't even need a machine. I can park in the back and walk up to the front. Sometimes I don't even try to park in the front because I let people get there. I say, Lord, somebody else need that parking space. Let me park back here. A lot of times I do it in that because I can find my car a lot easier parking in the back than I can in the front. But that's just, that's just personal thing where we pray my strength in the Lord. Because I went out so many times. Well, I parked up close, couldn't find my car. I'm hitting the button and everything else. And, and you got to get close to my car for the button to even go out. So that don't even work for no good no more. So anyway, that's just a personal thing. But anyway, I'm grateful I can walk into the store. I don't need a bug. I, can, I don't need a, one of those carts to get around in in order to buy my groceries. And if you need, that's fine. I got no problem with that. But I'm grateful I don't need one. I'm grateful that I can walk around and get my groceries. I'm grateful I, I can get groceries. I, most of I can get groceries. Most of the groceries I want pretty much when I want it. I'm grateful for that. That is a blessing. Because I remember a time I had to kind of, you know, had to be careful. I had to look here and look there and look here and look there. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, boy, I remember those days. I'm grateful. I remember time. Well, I, I, if I say this story, about two people, two or three people going to know what it is. Warehouse Grocery used to have certain meat on sale. And, boy, every, and we would go to Warehouse Grocery because we know they had the, basically with the cheapest meat. That's all the world. And go there and just, just make sure it was a certain day at a certain time because it would have, it be reduced. Because, you know, before they got rid of it. And you, you knew what them time was because you went and got that meat at a certain time in order for you to feed your family. And that's what we did back then. NASDAQ closed down, but that's a different ball game now. But the thing is, you remember them days. Now I can go pretty much go, go to any store I want to when I want to and get it. I'm grateful for those times. I don't, we don't take stuff like that for granted. I'm so grateful for what Jesus is doing. And sometimes people say, sometimes I think people get beside themselves. Because they don't really realize how good they got it. They don't realize how good God has been to them. Yeah, you you got some issue going on, but God has been good to you. God is still good to us, and we're so grateful for it. We're so grateful for it. Let's go a little bit further, a little bit further. Now, in Second Chronicles 27, you remember now, Jehoshaphat just told God how magnificent it was. Then in verse 7, he begins to talk about some of the acts that he performed. 
Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? So now he says in St. Chronicles 27, he reminded God of his great feast by proclaiming to him that he drove he drove out the inhabitants of the land and gave it to the seed of Abraham. And that's some, it, listen, sometimes you got to look at, or oh, excuse me, let me give you this definition of drove. Drove, he, dis, he, dis, he disinherited the people that was in it and gave it to the children of Israel or the seed of Abraham. Then he, get, he drove it out. When he drove them out, he dispossessed them. He delivered it into the children of Israel. So he drove one people, he drove some people out. Basically, he kicked them out. Uh, in modern day terminology, he, he evicted them. He evicted them out and then he gave it to his own children. Ooh-wee. I'm telling you, that's a powerful God right there. He drove one set out and gave it to his children. Then he said, I will not give you lands you did not, excuse me, give you lands and give you buildings and give you houses that you didn't even put any effort in order to give it. That's exactly what he did for the children of Israel. And then, not only that, let me say why, why I believe that Jehoshaphat said this. He reminded, it wasn't because God didn't know what he'd done, but it was reminded to Jehoshaphat that God can still do the same thing today. Let me tell you, you ain't got to remind God of, of what he's already done. God knows what he's done. But when we remind God, of, when we say we're reminding God of what he's done, we're really reminding ourselves that God is still God. And that keeps our faith alive. Listen, when you say, God, I remember the time that I was this, that, and the other. Oh, I remember that time I used to drink, lie, cheat, and steal. But now, God, I remember I have no desire to drink. When I lie, it convicts me. That's why I don't like to do it no more. And these type things go on in my life. I say, God, you will steal God. See, nobody can tell your testimony like you can. Nobody knows what you've been delivered from like you can. Nobody knows what God has taken away from your life like you can. Oh, can't nobody tell it like you can. Well, Pastor, I don't have a testimony like you. Well, let me tell you something. Whatever God saved you from, that's what he saved you from. That's what he saved you from. Never underestimate. Don't let people talk you out your testimony. Some people don't have a testimony like, Lord, I used to get drunk every night and go to the club every night and stuff with 82,000 women at one time. You may not have that testimony. You just the fact that God saved you. Oh, I appreciate God saving me. I just appreciate the God. Listen, yeah, I did some stuff because the bottom line is we was all on our way to. But God saw fit to love on us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. That's all I need to know. God, you love me enough to save me. You love me enough to deliver me. And not only that, let me tell you something. One great testimony you got right now. God is keeping you right now. God is keeping you right now. I'm talking about Tuesday, he keeping you. Thursday morning, he keeping you. And sometimes you look back in the week, oh God, you kept me this week right here. Sometimes I look back at my life and I say, God, another day. Sometimes I don't live. That's why I, you know, we said, don't take thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow got enough evil stuff going on. Sufficient is today is the evil that you're dealing with. I say, God, thank you for another victory today. I don't have to look back, look, look, look no further. I thank God for today's victory. And sometimes you just got to thank God for today's victory. Today's victory is, is great. Today's victory is magnificent. You made the church this morning. Thank God for the victory. Thank God you made it to Sunday school. Thank God you made it to prayer. Thank God you made it to the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. That is the victory right now. And sometimes you ain't got to, listen, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow got enough stuff going on in anyway. Today is enough. To, listen, I got victory today. I got, I'm overcoming today. I do, I'm doing good today. One thing I used to tell or uh, remind the prisoners of, listen, listen, when you're here today, this is a victory for today. You can't be looking, thinking about, uh, are they going to let you out tomorrow or you going to get a court date? Because some people don't get a court date for a minute for whatever reason. But thank God for today. Thank God for today. And so 
We remind God of others of what he's doing in life. It's not necessary for God, but it's remind us to have faith in him. Now, let's go on to verse 8. Verse 8. 2 Chronicles 28. We're getting close to the end here. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. They built him a sanctuary. They built him, the Lord, the people built the Lord a sanctuary. The sanctuary is a sacred place and a holy place. It's a sacred place and a holy place. That's why God can do such great things in our sanctuary because you got to keep God's sanctuary holy. When you keep it holy and you treat the sanctuary holy, God would manifest itself in a holy way. That means God will give you solutions. He will give you answers. He will give you your heart's desire in that particular place. They built it with the name of the Lord in mind according to 2 Chronicles 28. The name represents his reputation, his glory, the things that designated for God. By God, I should say. And as we receive help from God's sanctuary, it makes it easier to bring him his tithes and his offerings. Not only that, to bring him his praise and his worship. Not only that, to look for supernatural solutions, to look for God's answers in his sanctuary. You notice Jehoshaphat went into the house of the sanctuary and asked God for help because they were getting ready to be tapped by the multitude. Well, it's nothing like God giving you answers in your in the sanctuary. Oh, sometimes you may not be getting ready to get attacked, but you, you're dealing with a dilemma on your job. You're de- 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 dealing with a dilemma in your family. You're dealing with a dilemma in your business. You're dealing with a dilemma in whatever area of your life. But I thank God that God will give us help in the sanctuary. He'll give us help in the sanctuary. He will. I like that about God. Oh, in fact, I love it as a matter of fact. I'm so glad God showed us that scripture. Even though he used uh, our bishop to, to, to bring it forth, but I appreciate the fact that he chose that scripture. I really do. Because it lets me know. It, it takes the sanctuary to a whole new level, though. It takes the sanctuary to a whole new level. Somebody said, well, why don't you do certain things in the sanctuary? Because my answer's in here. God brings me my answers on a week-by-week basis. Every time I come to the house of God, I expect for some type of answer. When I pray a lot of times, I pray a lot in the sanctuary. Sometimes I pray outside, sometimes I pray in the hallway and so forth and so on. But whatever the case may be, I'm looking for answers. I appreciate God as a God that knows everything. He's unlimited. He knows everything. He has every answer that I need. Now, it's up to me to get in the position to hear it, but I know God got the answer. Do you know that not one subject God does not know? Not one subject God does not know. Can you name... be saying it hypothetically, but listen, there's not one subject God does not know about. Let's go to verse 9, 2 Chronicles 29. So notice, I want you to look at Jehoshaphat's prayer. This is his prayer, the words that he used. And it's not all of it, but I just want to deal with this first portion of his prayer. Now remember now, let's go back and think for a moment. Jehoshaphat getting ready to be attacked by the multitudes. He got a big multitude coming his way. So he got, he was fearful. But he prayed and he fasted and he called the people together. And they came to the temple or the sanctuary or the dwelling place of God. Jehoshaphat went and said, God, you know you're wonderful. All the great things, great God you are. And then look at the things you've done here in the past. But now he's getting down to business now. Because in verse 9 it says this. If disaster comes upon us, whether it's disaster of a sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. And disaster means something evil, something bad, something unhappy, something hurtful, or something wicked would come upon them. And this is what we need to know. Sometimes you got to be careful about evil and bad stuff and unhappy and hurtful and wicked things trying to come upon you. And if you live long enough, there probably will be something evil, something bad, something hurtful, and something wicked. That may, Listen, if you live long enough, it's going to try to attack you. I'm not trying to, listen, I'm not praying loom and doom on nobody. I'm just living, if in reality, you're a good, you're a good person. I give you that. You're good, you're good people. 
But just because you, sometimes people don't like you because you're good. That's the bottom line. I mean, you know, some people just don't like Christians these days. You got know, on TV. They don't like us just because we believe in Christian values. We believe in the Bible. We believe that Jesus said what he said, meant what he meant, so forth and so on. And then they say we're being intolerant. They're saying we're being, uh, uh, I'm like, my, this is what God said. This ain't what we said. Because there's some stuff, be honest with you, some stuff that people do, I could care less they do. I really do. The stuff they do, I could care less. But God, this is what God says. And I'm going to tell you what, this is, you know, I love you, but, you know, this is what God says. This ain't what I say. I would get saved, but, you know, y'all don't do this, that, and the other. It ain't what, that ain't the issue. Jesus loves everybody. You come as you are. Now, let God work on you to get the stuff out of you. Everybody dealing with something. Don't let nobody fool you now. Uh, I'm telling you, everybody got some stuff they're dealing with. Everybody. L- listen, we only got one perfect member at Overcomers Christian Center. One. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. First name Lord, middle name Jesus. Man, that's not kidding. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the only perfect man we got here. Everybody else, you know, they just, and so I look at that like that. But don't tell me to change me or change the Bible because you don't like certain things in it. That's just only one perfect memory. That's Jesus. And we love, he, he, he the one set, set the rules and regulation. Now, Sometimes people are not like it. I'm gonna tell you this, and don't 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 be don't get shot by, it, but just just some, just life. Some people may not even like you that work with you because you represent Christian values. They realize you ain't gonna go to work with them, asking me after work and go get to the to the store or to the bar or to wherever. They gonna think you gonna be some some. Some of your family members ain't gonna like you because. As soon as they started, you start, they start doing their thing. He's like, I got to go, y'all. Oh, oh, you can't stay? You used to stay around? Yeah, used to. I don't stay around anymore when y'all start doing that stuff. Yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to partake of the very thing y'all getting ready to do, but I don't do that anymore. Cause God unchanged me. He can change you too. Well, I don't want to change. All right? You ain't got to raise your voice. You ain't got to get mad. I'm going to drink my beer. No, 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 no. What? Drink it then. I ain't gonna stop me. I ain't gonna drink it. <laughs> I mean, some folks are trying to get an attitude with you because you want to do what's right. I mean, that's what you, you gonna, that's gonna happen. But don't let it change you. Don't let it change you because evil, excuse me, bad, unhappy, hurtful, they, they, gonna say, they may say some hurtful things about you. But you can't retaliate with, like you want, like you used to back in the day. Can't retire like you used to. You got to do it like God. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Pray for them, Pastor. I want to tell them about it. I need to give them a piece of my mind. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And notice what he says. Then they, excuse me, then they went to the temple. Notice what he said in St. Chronicles 29. Whatever that affliction was, he uses the sword, the judgment, pestilence, or famine. We will stand before this temple. Remember, they were in the presence of their God. They were in the church. They were in the sanctuary. And cry out to you in our affliction. The affliction represents trouble or distress. Affliction represents trouble or distress. So, Jehoshaphat said, we, we got disaster coming. We're crying out. We're coming to the sanctuary. We're asking for help. And now... He says, I'm going to cry to God when bad stuff come. I'm going to cry to you in my affliction, my trouble and distress. And this is what he said. And this is what I believe. Is, in fact, if you read the rest of the story, that's what happened. And you will hear and say. One particular version says you will hear and help. Because remember, they asked for help back over in verse uh, 4. St. Chronicles 24. So Jude together to ask help from the Lord. And this is what you see. When the Lord will hear, he will listen, he would understand. So when you you talk to God, God listens and he understands. Always never underestimate that God doesn't understand what you're dealing with. He always understands what you're dealing with. 
even though you may not be able to put it in the right words and tell other people, God always understands what you're dealing with. And notice what he says, and save them. That means he's going to deliver them, protect them, prosper them. Not only that, he's going to help them. That definition is so important. We see that God wants to help his people. He wanted to help Jehoshaphat. He wanted to help David when he was in the sanctuary. And let me say this to you. He wants to help us too. He wants to help us too. Not only does it mean uh, help, but liberate, give victory to, to make things better. That definition is a broad definition, but it covers, I believe, what? It's going to happen not only for Jehoshaphat, but it also helps us. Let's go to our last scripture, Psalms 46, verse 1. Psalms 46 and verse 1. God is doing the same thing for us today because he is a present help in time of trouble. Psalms 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Very present help in trouble. And present is interesting. It means to attain, to find, to learn, to detect. And, and when I think about that, that means that whenever you got trouble, when you let God in, he detects where your trouble is. He detects the source of it. So that's, that's why no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. He is a present help in the time of trouble. He's going to find it. He's going to deal with it. He's going to learn. He's going to teach you what to do and so forth. Whatever the dilemma is in our life, the Lord is willing to help us just like he did for Jehoshaphat, just like he did for David. And God will help each and every one of us. The Lord is willing to help. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.